So we're talking about what it is to live in light of eternity. And, you know, that is just such a, um, a significant idea for us to camp around for this season of time. Because how many of you realize that when you're living life uh, with eternity in mind, it changes your value system? It changes your priorities. It changes your perspective overall. Uh, Paul walked through so much affliction in his life. He was beaten with rods, whipped, uh, scorned. I mean, just so many things happened in his life. And he said, you know, I count all of that light affliction. How could he count that light affliction when he went through so much pain and suffering? Because he was living with an eternal perspective. And it is pretty important that we carry that, we learn that, and we understand what that really is about. A focal point verse has been Luke 24, 32, and I just want to point this out to you again. The disciples asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? The disciples are saying, when Jesus was talking to us and we were seeing something in scripture, our hearts began to burn. And I, I with that in mind, I just want to challenge you. What does it look like for you to live a life that is consumed with God? What does it li look like for you to live a life consumed with God, where prayer and reading your Bible isn't just an uh, obligation or a religious duty, but actually something of the fire of God is stoked and awakened when you're spending time alone with God? And how does that really walk out in a daily expression in the way that we're choosing to be a person, men and women who live in the presence of God? How many of you know you can live in the presence of God? I really want you to think about this. You can live in the presence of God. You can dwell in the presence of God. You can purpose, no matter what the circumstance may be, to constantly have your eyes focused on Him and changes everything about your disposition, your perspective, as you walk out what you walk through in this life. Leonard Ravenhill said, five minutes inside eternity, and we will wish we had sacrificed more, wept more, grieved more, loved more, prayed more, and given more. And I just encourage you that we would live our lives in such a way that we're establishing a legacy in the earth that's expanding God's kingdom, that truly lives will be transformed, not just because we came together and gathered and loved, served, and gave as a family for our generation, but come on, we're making a church strong with an atmosphere that releases transformation, not only in our generation, but long after everyone in this room has passed on from this life to the next. That's the eternal perspective of God that we are supposed to behold. So I encourage you just to evaluate your worship, your expression of serving, your worship, your expression of giving. I know you received uh, giving statements this week, and we send those out to make sure everybody is evaluating in their own personal heart, their own uh, worshipful expression of what that looks like for your family, for your home. We want to see God's kingdom expand. And that really results by our surrendered available lives as a church family. And so as we see this, we, we look the first week of how Jesus seemingly paused before some of the biggest miracles, most known miracles, and he looked up to heaven. And so we talked about what do you see? And before he fed the 5,000, before he raised Lazarus from the dead, Jesus stopped and looked up to heaven. It was almost like he was pausing to invite God's perspective into a situation of death that would produce life. It, like God was invited into a perspective, a situation 
situation where the perspective of God would, would cause that which lacked provision to be that which would abound with provision. How many of you need the perspective of God in a situation in your life today? I, I want us just to pause for a moment and let's invite the perspective of God into whatever the circumstance may be that you're facing. Lord, I pray that you would help us today to understand what it is to truly purpose to behold the eternal perspective of God, no matter what the lack or limitation may be that we are facing, no matter what the circumstance may be, we invite your perspective into our hearts, into our minds, Lord, that we might walk out your will, plan, and purpose according to what you see and according to what you say. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. So not only did we look at then uh, what do you see looking up, but then what do you say? And that was last week as an emphasis of that which we're taking in is that which we're expressing and releasing. And it's such an important thing to evaluate why we say what we say. And I, I just, it was something unique last week that God did in breaking the spirit of negativity. How many of you agree that's broken in our lives in Jesus' mighty name? How many of you know we were addressing a spirit that needed to be addressed a week ago and, and, uh, and I just believe God's preparing us and equipping us to walk out His plans as we just continue to stand in agreement that what we say would be glorifying to God and dignifying to others. And today I want to talk to you about a key to influential prayer, a key to prayer that actually unlocks something in the world that you and I live, in the, in the places where you and I dwell. And it's a little bit of an elaborate concept I'm going to go just a little bit uh, theological on you in, in terms of contextual explanation. So I want you to try and drive into this with me and try and embrace this because we're going, to, we're going to come to a place of understanding Daniel, the book of Daniel, the expression of Daniel's life. But I, I want you to understand something really significant about this, and we're going to address these two topics of citizenship. How many of you are citizens in heaven? We are citizens in heaven, and that's a significant thing for us as Christians. But not only is citizenship important, but dominion is important, or domain. And so those two things come together for an effective prayer life when you really understand where we're going to go. So the title is, Where Do You Live? And where you live speaks of your domain. Uh, and there's something about the way we function in our house. How many of you know when you operate in your house, you're operating differently than when you're in a guest in somebody's house? Or how many of you have ever gone into somebody's house and you weren't supposed to be there? Just raise your hand, you sinners. Uh, and so you find yourself in a place where you're not really supposed to be, and it really affects everything about your confidence. And I can actually talk to you about this from firsthand experience of a rather embarrassing situation. Uh, what embarrassing situation, you ask? Well, I'll tell you. Uh, I was actually speaking at an event in another state, and um, we had a morning session, and I went to lunch with the guy, and I was the afternoon speaker. And uh, so we, we went to lunch. The pastor there had asked if I would meet with this individual, and we sat at lunch. And, and as we were eating, I realized time has slipped away. I really needed to go to the bathroom, and... I was, you know, I had a little more than enough time to drive back to the venue where I was going to speak, and I happened to drive by the hotel, and I really had to go to the bathroom, uh, just saying. And so I thought, I'm going to just go by the hotel real fast so that I'm in the privacy of my own room, okay? And then uh, I, I 
parked real fast where I shouldn't have, right down there, you know, where you check in. How many of you have ever done it before? Sinners. And then I, I ran in and I realized, behold, the elevator is jam-packed with people who are trying to get up the floors to their rooms. And I'm thinking, oh no, I mean, I have to hurry. So I run to the stairs and I race up to the fourth floor where my room is three doors down from the elevator. And I get up on the floor and I run into the hallway and there the cleaning lady is in my room. Now I needed to go to the bathroom and I needed privacy for the fullness of this to take place in the privacy of my hotel room. And so I, I ran over and the lady, the doors brought, and, and, and I said, it's okay, I don't need any services today. And she starts speaking Spanish to me and I speak enough Spanish to get in trouble. And so I began to speak right back at her. No necesita limpiar la cuarto, vámonos, gracias, gracias. Beste no problema in the cuartos, vámonos. And so I, I get her out and, and literally throw her out of the room, slam the door. I wanna look at my notes. I open my computer, spin around and sit down on the toilet. Computer on my lap. And look at the counter and realize that lady has left some jewelry on my counter. And then I realized there's perfume. I was traveling by myself. I didn't make it to the fourth floor. I actually jolted in on the third floor and I was in the room directly beneath mine violating some poor woman's bathroom <laughs> who had paid for this room in the hotel, having kicked the person out with sheets off the bed. I mean, I am, I am realizing I'm in trouble. <laughs> like, if that woman comes in this room, <laughs> <what>? <laughs> I want you to know the attitude of dominion entering a room that I thought I had a sense of domain in completely changed when I no longer had a sense of domain and I realized I don't belong here. The thing that I want you to understand from this is this is utterly significant for us to recognize. Think about citizenship and dominion from this element. Uh, maybe you've, you've seen you know, these different individuals who are in other countries and they have scuffles and right now the president's involved in something where an entertainer got into a fight and now being held in a, in a country that this individual is not a citizen. How many know your rights are limited when you live in a country without citizenship? And so you can actually have domain where you live in the house that you own without citizenship and you have limited rights in that structure. And you can also have citizenship and then be in the wrong house and have limited rights. But the fullness of, uh, the fullness of authority comes when you have citizenship and dominion functioning together. If you realize that in, in, uh, in Egypt, the Israelites cried out to God, God shows up and he goes directly to Moses. Have you ever noticed this? God shows up and goes to Moses and he says, the Israelites have prayed for relief and I have come in response to their prayers. And Moses at that point, in my view, would have been like, great, 
go get them, God. Why are you talking to me? But what God said is, Moses, I'm sending you. I've come in response to their prayers to rescue them. I'm sending you. I've come with authority from heaven. I need somebody who possesses dominion in the earth. So that we're, are y'all getting this? So that we're completing the picture of expression. There's entrance from a rightful perspective of domain or dominion and authority that comes from heaven. Do you understand when you read the Bible? Sometimes you'll read scripture and it will say, Jesus referencing him as the son of God, other times referencing him as the son of man. I don't know if you've ever noticed that before, but perhaps you'll start to notice that now. When it references Jesus as the son of God, it's speaking of citizenship to heaven. When it references Jesus as the son of man, it's talking about dominion in the earth. Jesus came and conquered the need for God to find a Moses because he was the Moses that was born into the earth. God became man, bringing the fullness of authority of heaven into the earth. Jesus is the gate through which the kingdom of God gets into the earth. He then awakened that within us as a key to unlock so much in a place of prayer. This is why the Bible references that the the unbelieving spouse and the believing spouse can have children together and the believing spouse actually sanctifies the children. Have you read that? That comes as a result of citizenship and dominion coming together and there's a covering over the children. Somebody in this room needs to rise up in their family, in their home, in their workplace, everywhere that you have domain, everywhere that you have dominion, every place that you walk in, you walk in with confidence and authority, not only from God, but entrance in the earth. This unlocks so much in our understanding. How many of you were born of the earth? Your mom gave birth to you. Raise your hand, just making sure there are no aliens from other planets here. You were born of the earth. How many of you then, after you were born of the earth, you came to a place of realizing you were lacking a relationship with God, so you were born again of the Spirit? Mary Jane, if that was you. So what has happened, you have dominion born of the earth, citizenship born of the spirit. Now you carry what I'm talking about with authority and confidence to unlock something. Nobody can pray for my children like I can pray for my children. Nobody can cover my wife like I can cover my wife. Whatever position God gives you, whatever dominion God postures you in, that is a place that you have an obligation and a responsibility to carry something that nobody else in the world can carry, and God has made you the gateway, the gatekeeper. Somebody's at my house, and and a knock at the door comes, and they're a guest in my home. They don't go stand at the door and decide if that person gets in my house or not. It's not their place to decide that. That's my place. And I just want you to know I'm drawing a line in the sand. There are some things that will not get into my house. How about you? There are some things that will not get into our homes and our legacy and our children. They will not have to battle some of the giants that we've had to face because we're drawing a line in the sand and declaring in Jesus' mighty name, we have citizenship and dominion in those circumstances in Jesus' name. The book of Daniel. This book opens with Babylon having conquered Jerusalem. We now see Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego walking through so much, having a different place to live. How many of you think God does some things on purpose? A different domain, a different dominion began to exist 
in their life as they have, have moved from a God-centered cult- culture to a very ungodly culture, and God has deposited them on purpose. Daniel demonstrates how to live faithfully in obedience to God in times of adversity, in times of suffering, in times of persecution. They were being bullied into compliance in this God-ignoring society, and we see beautifully how to walk this out where we are looking to heaven, declaring his truth, and understanding where we live and where we dwell and why we live and why we dwell. You did not get that job yourself. God put you there on purpose. And in the midst of all of this society that these these Hebrew children, are, what they're all contending with, what we see is that God always humbles the proud. Everybody shout pride. I want to attack pride today. God always humbles the proud, and he always raises up the humble. Very important, probably not on your page. You might want to write it down. But in the book of Daniel, we see it is possible to live a first-class life in a second-choice world. You may not like the circumstances in which you dwell, but you are there to release something of God's kingdom in that situation, even if you feel it's not a first-choice place. Maybe you're dealing with some uh, fallout of life in general and you've, you've, you know, a job transition that you didn't want to happen, a circumstance or situation, you find yourself in a place you really don't want to be. I want you to know you can still choose to live a first-class life in a second-choice situation. Verse 20 of Daniel chapter 1, in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, He found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. Why were they considered ten times better than all of the peers surrounding them that were being questioned? First and foremost, what we see is they made their faith in God their first priority. Their faith in God was their first priority priority. It was their non-negotiable number one. You need to know what your non-negotiables are, and you need to know what your negotiables are. And your non-negotiables are simply untouchable, no matter what the circumstances may be. And their faith in God was their number one non-negotiable. I want you to know that it would have been easy for them to say, look, let's just keep our faith a private matter. Things will go much simpler, more smoothly for us. It is not biblical for you to keep your faith a private matter. God didn't come to earth to rescue you alone. He came to earth to make you a warrior, to release his kingdom in the earth everywhere you go. This looks different in every person's life. But it is vital important that you know his desire is not just to make you free. His desire is to empower you as a freedom fighter. Verse 17, to these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning, and Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. You know, they could have held the view that being disconnected and disinterested in this pagan culture that we live in is, uh, you know, a lot safer approach to take, but rather they took an active interest in learning how to make a difference, Keyword: learning. 
How many know that we as Christians tend to think everybody would be better off if they would simply listen to us and we would rather not listen to anybody else? In fact, our perspective many times is we're afraid of other, other perspectives. But you know what I love about the book of Daniel? It tells me that Daniel and you and I have the capacity and the power and anointing to walk into the pit filled with hungry lions and come out unscathed. I think you can handle a conversation with somebody who doesn't believe the same way you believe. If we're trained and equipped right to think these things through, do you understand? Be a critical thinker. Be a contributor to the expansion of God's kingdom in the earth. It's okay. Have interactions and conversations. Jesus hung out. He didn't hang out with all the religious people of his day. He hung out with people who really had no interest in God, but they were absolutely smitten by his love and disposition. I'll I'll say this, and this is your blank. It's a big one. This is the... This is the tweetable phrase of the day right here. If we don't effectively invade and transform our culture, then our culture will eventually invade and transform us and our children. You know, I made this statement a few weeks ago, and I felt like I needed to reiterate it today. And it was a statement made by Ravi Zacharias. If you don't know who he is, you really should subscribe to his podcast an amazing thinker of our generation, uh, phenomenal communicator of the Word of God. But he said, we must learn to argue truth from having discovered the point of relevance. Common ground. How many know people want to know that you care about what they think? Common ground. He said, I'm just going to start over because there are three elements of this. We must learn to argue truth from having discovered the point of relevance. Then we illustrate from the point of reference. Once we have relevance, we're on the same page. Then we can draw our illustrations to give a point of reference. And then finally and last, not before these first two uh, relevance and reference are established, then at the end we uh, apply from a point of disturbance where we finally confront with truth. How many of you know that we as Christians in our society typically just go out and confront with truth regardless of point of relevance? Somebody ought to amen me because you know I'm right. Our society is full of Christians with big opinions and big ideas and big attitudes and little interest in relationship with the people around them. That is very unlike Jesus, by the way. Aren't you glad Jesus came to form and build a relationship with you to invite you into a deeper place of understanding the love of God? This is what God wants us to do. Not just to, to hide and hunker down and in this pagan Babylonian society, I'm just going to, you know, I'm just going to focus in on just believing what I'm, co- no, God actually wants you to expand that influence, salt, you're the salt of the earth. I mean, you know, salt doesn't impact that which is in the plate until it is dumped out of the salt shaker. Welcome to church, nice little white salt shaker that we are. Come on, let's go out there and make a difference in the world, you and I live here. Someone's got to get turned upside down and shaken out a little bit. Ravi goes on and he gives this analogy and he said this, a child at a dinner table starts to have a conversation with the family and say, hey, a bunch of my friends were talking about sexual preference at school today, to which the parents around the dinner table say, well, you just need to give them Leviticus and Romans, Romans chapter one, and the Bible says this, and the discussion moves on. 
And what you've done is you've left a child with a framework for conversation that actually works around the dinner table in a Christian home. And that's good, and that's healthy, and that's necessary, and that's foundational. But you have not equipped them with a disposition or a perspective to carry beyond the dinner table into a society that's going to reject the dinner table around the family. So we have to train our children to be critical thinkers, to understand how can you discover a point of reference, a point of relevance to connect, a point of reference so that this can make sense before you bring a confrontation with truth. Daniel teaches us so effectively how to do this in his overall uh, expression of life. You know, you don't have to agree with those in authority over you to wholeheartedly serve them. Think about what I'm saying. You don't have to agree with those in authority over you to wholeheartedly serve them. Daniel 1, verse 8. Daniel resolved a non-negotiable existed in his life. I'll not defile myself with royal food and wine. But how did he handle the non-negotiable? He asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. You know what he didn't do? He didn't announce how holy and separated he was unto the Lord as his confrontation, but rather he started with a point of reference so that there could be a connection, an expression of submission and permission being requested and asked, and progression then could take place. And I just want you to understand, in all spheres of life, in all spheres of life, you and I should, should excel with confidence and humility in the way we walk out this gospel. When people see us involved in their businesses, in their uh, events, and whatever is going on, when they see us, they should say, wow, those people, their attitude is amazing. Those people, they really love one another. You know, they're always there to help. They seem to be doing the things that we can't get other people to do. You know, these people, they are so productive. They come early. They leave late. They're not late. These people, they're, they're really loyal. They're really trustworthy. And anytime that they're involved with our events, things seem to go so much better. How many of you know that's the way we should be expressing God's kingdom into the earth in every direction of our lives? So I'm going to ask the worship team to come as I now give you another element of this. Because <clears throat> I want you to think about this. Daniel had amazing favor and endorsement of authority, but that didn't keep him from getting attacked by society. David had amazing endorsement from the king, but it was the people then that stirred up trouble that got him thrown into the pit. And even when he went into the pit, he continued to behold the eternal perspective of God, and he came out unscathed. That's the God we serve. And those are the people we are. Amen. Is what I'm saying resonating within your heart today?
Because I want to challenge you to understand what faith in God is really all about. It's not about us making our religious noise in a society that we have a disdain for. It's about us allowing the love of God to awaken something in our hearts that causes us to actually have the ability to bless those who curse us, pray for those who mistreat us, serve with our whole heart in a way that brings glory and honor to God and dignity into the lives of others. Come on, somebody help me and Rosalia clap this in just a little bit more. Come on. Come on, we just call it in. Help us, Lord. A little bit more. Let's go a little bit deeper today. Let's just dig a little deeper stream today. Come on, let's just stand to our feet and give Jesus applause and declaration, availability to allow the kingdom of God to break into our earth through our surrendered available lives, the citizenship that we possess, the dominion that we have. Lord, we bring that together to bring the fullness of expression of authority to our world in the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord. We honor you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. We need every single one of you effectively engaged in this fight from the right perspective. We need every single one of you effectively engaged in this fight. You know, I wanted to, um, I just felt the Holy Spirit was speaking to me a few months ago, I wanted to, to do a, a series on addressing pride. How many of you ever deal with pride? Can I just see? How many of you are too prideful to raise your hand? It's just such an interesting thing, isn't it? And, and I actually felt like the Lord was showing me several things about pride, but, but the one thing that was most significant was I felt like the Holy Spirit was saying to me, pride isn't something that you can just obviously see and immediately address. Pride is something that quietly exists, desiring to go unnoticed as much as possible in each of our lives. And so I just felt the Lord was saying, over the course of this fall, the rest of the year, there are gonna be these little spaces and little places where I'm talking about something and then we're just gonna all of a sudden address an element of pride, kind of the way pride exists, just kind of quietly in these spaces, and all of a sudden we're just going to, in a moment, just address that in the course of these months. How many of you are willing to go there? It is amazing to me, but I want you to think about this because Daniel was constantly aware of God's perspective in the way he walked all of this out. And I want you to think about this. Um, here it is, the absence of prayer. You know what we're focusing on is trying to get the mind of Christ actively engaged and involved in our lives, being given to that. The absence of prayer indicates the presence of self-sufficiency in the way we live our lives. The absence of prayer indicates the presence of self-sufficiency which is really the root expression of pride. 
In other words, I have a decision to make, I just make a decision. Do I want this job? If I like this job, I take this job. If I don't like this job, I won't. If it pays enough, I will. Do I date this person? Do I marry this person? Uh, whatever decisions you're making. If you're making those decisions based on opportunistic conclusions, then you're entirely missing the point and you're trusting in yourself rather than relying on God. I'm addressing pride. Daniel listened to what God had to say every step of the way. And I just believe that God wants to address something that tries to hide quietly in our lives, taking control of our behaviors, hijacking and train wrecking our lives because we just had a sense of, I'll take care of this. And we didn't live in a perspective of the fear of God. I need to always pause. I wrote this on my social media this week. There's great power in discovering the pause because the pause to any situation is where you stop to invite the wisdom of God before you move. Lord, help us to see this enemy that hides so secretly. And I believe we're just addressing this thing on levels beyond what we understand that we're addressing them. But I pray you would help us to see the life of Daniel the way he would constantly behold the eternal perspective of God. Walk out your will, your plan, your purpose, even in the midst of intense scrutiny, constantly giving glory to you, seeking to dignify those around him, even asking permission from those he didn't agree with, just to be honoring. And I pray, Father, that we would carry the spirit of Jesus in such a way that those characteristics would also mark our lives. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. You know, you may be here and just say, I'm not sure I'm even serving God. I'm not sure I've ever made that decision. I'm not sure citizenship in heaven, born again of the Spirit. I'm not sure that's something I've done in my own life. You know, that's the most important decision you could ever make. It's the mark of eternity. <laughs> When we come to that place and we acknowledge Jesus really is who he says he is, he's the savior of the world. He came to rescue us from our sin and to release his kingdom in our hearts. If you're here, you say, I don't know that I'm where I need to be in my relationship with Jesus. Would you just slip up your hand? I just want to pause for a moment. Thank you and pray for you. Anybody else? Just quickly. Just get my attention. Thank you. Any others? pretty important decision to make. Come on, let's all pray in agreement with these who've lifted their hands. Let's all say this out loud boldly in a declaration of authority, embracing the salvation of Christ and the Lordship that he brings into our hearts and lives as we surrender. Say it with me out loud. Lord Jesus, you came, you lived, you died, but you're alive. You are who you say you are. You're the Messiah, the Savior of the world. Save me from my sins. Rescue me in this life that I would serve you and help others to find their way into your love. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Come on, let's just thank the Lord.
Let's thank the Lord Jesus Christ, Savior, who awakens the purposes of God, the eternal purposes of God within our hearts. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord.